Welcome once again to Yogis, Swamis, and Swindlers, a podcast for the inner explorer. With me, your host and narrator, Ram Giri Baba. Episode 3, Conscious Transformation. Hello again, and thanks for joining me on this third episode of the podcast. I'm excited because the hardest work of launching and setting the tone of the podcast is out of the way, and we can now expand on our exploration of yoga, spirituality, and the simple living of life. I hope you have enjoyed the previous episodes and gained some food for thought on how you can live and practice yoga in a way that is more in tune with the spirit of yogic wisdom. Of course, yoga is so much more than just the act of doing postures, and it's truly amazing how effective and powerful it is to apply these little nuggets of wisdom to your practice. In fact, it's the little things that eventually have more impact than the grand gestures. The postures will change. The wisdom stays the same. Our current focus remains on the essence of yoga, what it is, what it does, and the philosophy that supports it. If you have not listened to the first episodes, I recommend that you start at the beginning, which is one of our core concepts, so that you can have a firm foundation to understand the focus of today's podcast, which is conscious transformation. Let's remember that yoga is a way to understand and interact with the world, which makes it a philosophy, as well as a method for supporting you so that you can live the best and fullest life possible. Yoga is both a philosophy for living and a practice to help you bring that philosophy to life. The practice really gains its profound power from the ideas that yoga is built on. Without being familiar with the philosophy and wisdom of yoga, the practice remains in the shallows and does not take us into the ocean of wisdom. Only our feet get wet, but we don't get the full immersion. It is a core concept of yoga and Ayurveda that each of us is a singular being that has never existed before and never will again. Each of us has a unique set of physical, energetic, mental, emotional, and karmic traits that makes us what we are and who we are. Please recognize how vitally important this concept is, because everything that we do in yoga and spiritual practice is built upon this basic supposition. Without this acknowledgement of individuality, there could be a scientific formula for spiritual advancement that each and every person could follow and gain the ultimate goal of yoga, which is liberation or enlightenment, if you wish, by simply following the instructions on the package. But this is simply not the case. There is no perfect formula for yogic advancement because everyone is different, and each person must have their own pathway to freedom. Certainly there are established pathways that can help guide the individual towards the goal, and we have discussed a few of these approaches in the last episode. One option is the way of the mind through jnana yoga, Another is the way of the heart through bhakti yoga. A third is the way of action with karma yoga. And yet another way is the way of personal cultivation through hatha yoga. Ideally, each approach plays a role in our yogic journey. But for most of us, our primary approach is through hatha yoga, the yoga of individual refinement of body, energy, mind, and consciousness. This is a perfect system for each individual to personalize their yogic journey because the possible tools, techniques, and combinations of practices is nearly infinite. The more challenging part is knowing what exactly we should be doing to get the maximum benefit from the practice, but more of that later. I would like to take a little time to clarify something that seems to be a point of confusion for many people about Hatha Yoga. 
So, Hatha Yoga is a unique type of yoga that emerged about 1500 years ago. It was different from the other yogas that existed at the time, which focused more on meditation, contemplation, devotion, or action in the world. Hatha Yoga is a system that uses physical postures called asanas. Remember, it is pronounced asana and not asana. Asana. As well as energetic cultivation through pranayama and other techniques mostly based on energy. Largely, Hatha Yoga focused on the refinement of the fundamentals of a human being, which is body and energy. Whenever you are doing asanas, vinyasas, or physical postures, or doing pranayama and breath practice, you are doing Hatha Yoga. In modern times, Hatha Yoga has expanded into countless different forms, which are called styles of yoga. In the 60s and 70s, the main styles of yoga that were reaching the West were called Iyengar Yoga and Ashtanga Yoga. These two approaches were very different. Iyengar Yoga focused on perfecting the shape and alignment of each asana, and Ashtanga Yoga promoted a set sequence of flowing postures called Vinyasa. Both of these types of yoga have different approaches and different things they feel are important, but they are both Hatha Yoga because they use asana as their main practice. Nowadays, there are countless styles of yoga. It seems that in order to make your mark on the modern yoga world, you must create your own style. This has led to the popularity of Kundalini Yoga, Vikram Yoga, Hat Yoga, Power Yoga, Forest Yoga, Yin Yoga, and countless others. But keep in mind, they are all Hatha Yoga. They only differ in their approaches to the asanas, but they all have a common source in the old system called Hatha Yoga. It gets confusing sometimes because you may see on a studio schedule a class called Hatha Yoga, which is just the name that the class is given largely because it does not have an official brand name or style name. But remember, if a class uses physical postures and asanas as their main focus, it is Hatha Yoga. Ayingar is Hatha Yoga, Ashtanga is Hatha Yoga, Bikram is Hatha Yoga, Yin is Hatha Yoga, and so on. Get it? I hope that clears up that confusing issue. We'll certainly look into the roots and methods of Hatha Yoga in a later episode. Okay, I got that off my chest. I can't tell you how many times I've had to explain that. So let's move forward so I can keep living my life. We were talking about how this yoga, regardless of the approach or technique, is a way to create and maintain connection. The connection of harmony with the universe is the big picture goal, and the immediate goal is creating harmony within ourselves. Hatha Yoga maintains that we must begin at the beginning, and the most accessible place to begin our journey of harmonization is with the physical body. Let's try to clarify our goals so that each and every practice can be effective, useful, and transformative. I think it's safe to say that most people want to be healthy, vibrant, and live long lives. These are common, fundamental life goals for most people, I feel. Few people don't want to live as long as possible, and few people want to be sick even if they do live long lives. Basically, people want a long and fulfilling life. It's totally natural. Other qualities that I feel are fairly common desires for a good life, especially to spiritual seekers and yoginis, are such things as contentment, clarity, happiness, refinement, strength, openness, freedom from disease and suffering, vitality, connection, and fulfillment. 
There are many others, of course, and it is worth considering what your own personal higher goals are for your life. Here's some homework. Take some time to think about and write down your own feelings on what qualities you want to cultivate in the big picture of your life. Ask yourself, what do you want to become? What would you like to be or feel like in five or ten years? What qualities do you want to cultivate so that you can live the life you want to live and be the person you want to be? This is a very important self-knowledge exercise for you to do because it will help you to shape the direction for your yoga, your personal practice, and your life in general. Remember the foundation practice of Swadhyaya that we talked of before. Swadhyaya means self-study, and part of studying yourself is to become familiar with the higher goals that you have for yourself and the direction of your life. It's essential to know both who you are now and to be acquainted with what you want to be in the future. All of us are imperfect, meaning that we are rarely in lasting balance or in harmony. It is the nature of human beings to have areas of weakness and areas of strength, and we continually fluctuate in and out of balance. This is just a fact of being alive. This is true on every level of our being. We have places of strength and weakness in our physical bodies. Our life force and energy can be imbalanced at times. And in our minds and emotions, we also have areas which we excel and other aspects which do not serve us. This fluctuation can hamper our movement towards our higher goals. So certainly one of the traits we seek to cultivate is the maintenance of harmony as much as possible. Definitely make sure to take some time and record the areas of your physical, energetic, mental, and emotional life in which you feel strong and confident in. These are your personal strengths, part of your being which you can depend on to support you and your journey. Get familiar with these areas and recognize them as your fundamental base. Another aspect which is important in the practice of Swadhyaya is identifying areas of your inner and outer life which you feel really need work change, attention, or refinement. Spend some time looking into the areas which could use some attention, some change, or some transformation. These are the parts of you which are not serving your higher good. Write them down however you like, but be honest and do not judge yourself. That won't help. Just calmly acknowledge that these particular areas of your life are not your strong points. This Swadhyaya exercise will help to shape your yoga and spiritual practice because it will help you to consciously and intelligently use the yoga to create balance by helping you to bring balance to your weak areas. This brings us to my own personal and favorite definition of yoga, which states that yoga is the practice of conscious transformation. Yoga is the practice of conscious transformation. Consider what that actually means. It's a fundamental principle of yoga philosophy and of modern science that things within you and around you are constantly changing and constantly transforming into something else. Often the changes are imperceptible, but change is happening nonetheless. Think about your body as a simple example. It is changing all the time, even though it seems like the same body day after day. The food you ate yesterday is helping to transform you into what you are today. As a result of that nutrition, you are different. You have transformed. You know this to be true, especially when you transgress the boundaries of dietary wisdom and eat things that will take you out of balance, such as when you eat too much spicy food and get heartburn as a result. 
This is a perceptible change that has happened to your body due to your dietary choices. Day after day, week after week, we feel more or less the same and look more or less the same, but undeniably the changes of time are affecting us. If you look at a photo of yourself 10 years ago, you look like the same person, but at the same time, you look different. Time has changed you gradually, but distinctly. The point is that the material world that we experience, which influences our surroundings as well as our bodies, minds, and emotions, are in a constant state of flux, whether we notice it or not. We can't do much about the transformations in the world around us, but we do have some influence over the changes that happen within us. This is the realm of controllable change that gives yoga its unique power to heal and transform. The yoga practice, ideally, is designed to positively affect what can be affected, to intelligently change what can be changed. Yoga gives us these tools to use as needed, so that we can consciously refine our weak areas and help us to become more balanced. What is essential at this stage, before you launch into changing everything you can get your hands on, is to identify what actually needs to be changed in your body, mind, energy, and spirit complex. It is a waste of time and can actually be harmful to change things that don't actually need to be changed. Some things within you are perfect just as they are, and changing them will throw you into imbalance. But we'll leave that tangent for the moment and focus on the subject at hand. How do we know what actually needs to be changed? Keep in mind the reason for changing anything, to move us into a greater state of harmony, clarity, and balance than we had before. In short, improving any and every aspect of our beings that will help us attain a higher level of existence. To really be able to effectively move in this direction requires our old friend Swadhyaya, the yoga practice of self-study. I've already asked you to consider some areas of your being that could use some transformation, so that's a good place to start. But let's concentrate our focus for the moment on the first stages of Swadhyaya. Beginning at the beginning of the Swadhyaya practice, it's best to have a close look at the body. The body is our most external of layers, and it's a great place to begin if we want to know ourselves better. Consider which areas of your body do not work as well as they should. This could be your digestion, your coordination, your memory, your menstruation, anything. Take note of those areas. Then also consider some of the areas of your body that stand in the way of your asana practice and performing certain poses. Asana practice is an excellent way to get self-knowledge about your body and its general dynamics. Think of which poses you dislike the most. Why do you have that reaction? What part of the body is resisting, not allowing you to do the posture comfortably? If you do Uttanasana, for example, which is a standing straight leg forward bend, and it is difficult or uncomfortable, investigate the body and find out what part or parts of the body are keeping you back. In Uttanasana, most often it will be the hamstring muscles in the backs of the upper legs. This pose pulls quite strongly on the hamstrings, so if they are not open, the pose is profoundly uncomfortable. This informs you of one area of your body that requires some conscious transformation. The poses are designed, in one way, to provide information about what areas need more of your attention and effort. They are supposed to push your boundaries of comfort and help you learn more about yourself. Another common area that needs transformation, especially for women, is the strength of the arms and shoulders. If you try to do chaturanga, handstand, or crow, for example, and you do not have the necessary strength, 
This tells you about the areas that need work so that you can do the pose comfortably. To have a well-balanced and healthy body, all the main poses should eventually be accessible to you, but we might have to do specific work in our weak areas to attain comfort in these poses and balance the body. Getting comfortable with all the major poses in yoga will eventually result in a well-balanced and healthy body, because these poses will expose our physical weak points and help us to bring them up to strength and balance. Approaching yoga in this way is the practice of conscious transformation. We use our self-study and intelligence to determine what parts of our body need work, and we focus some extra attention on these areas until they are transformed and integrated into the whole. We transform the areas of the body that hold us back into areas that are balanced and healthy and support the harmony of our whole being. We do this so that all parts of us participate in the whole and thus we are in a deeper state of yoga, which is connected, integrated harmony of our entire organism. This harmony leads to the higher states of yoga and to a more comfortable and happy life. This conscious transformation is not limited to the body, even though that's where we start. We also have to intelligently change the qualities of our energy and life force, our minds, emotions, and eventually our very awareness, consciousness, and reality. The practice of yoga is a continual effort to bring the disconnected and imbalanced parts of ourselves into integration with the whole through conscious transformation. The transformation of the energy and the life force of the body is largely done through pranayama and breath practices, but there are also more subtle ways of working with energy. Paying attention to and cultivating breath is certainly one of the most vital parts of our being to work on, but more on pranayama later. In the realm of mind and attention, we also must bring transformation. In fact, the transformation of the mind is more important than the changes we make to the body. Mind and our reality, as we have explored in the first podcast, is what basically determines our experience of life. Thus, it is critical to learn about your own mind and emotions through Swadhyaya and work on the changes that need to be made. One of the common human problems that we need to change is the problem of too much thinking. According to yoga, we often become imbalanced or even sick if the problem becomes too chronic when we think too much and the mind is overactive. Thoughts lead to more thoughts, and if you don't get a handle on the amount of thinking, we have trouble stopping. This can lead to conditions of imbalance like insomnia, worry, stress, or even obsession or addiction. Many of us are actually addicted to thinking, and like most addictions, it feels very uncomfortable if you try to stop. But try you should. You definitely need to look into yourself and determine the state and qualities of your own mind so you can identify areas that disrupt your sense of harmony and contentment. The mind is quite complex and tricky to work with, and depending on your state of mind, you might need to use a variety of yogic or other techniques to work out your problems. Yoga recognizes the importance of mental health and the need to create harmony in the mind. To bring better mental balance into your reality, you have to practice mental spaciousness, generally through concentration and meditation, which are the attempts to calm the excessive mental activity that we often experience. This is one of the simple and basic ways to balance the mind and bring some internal peace, 
by sitting quietly and calming body and mind. This is yet another practice that we would bring into our lives if we realize that our minds need conscious transformation. Generally, most people could use a bit of extra mental quiet and space in their consciousness. And one of the higher goals of yoga is to spend time in a state where the thoughts are minimized or completely still. A very useful set of questions can help us frame our efforts at conscious transformation. These four questions come to us from Dr. Robert Svoboda, and he puts them to us in his usual succinct way. This is the basic set of questions that will help you frame up both your current situation and the direction of both your conscious and unconscious change. The questions are these. Question 1. Where am I now? What is my current situation and reality on every level? Question 2. How am I changing? What parts of myself are changing? Question 3. In what direction am I changing? In other words, where is my life going and which changes that are happening to me are positive and useful and which are negative and destructive? Question 4. What methods can I use to create positive change? What can be done to make my life more harmonious and life's rhythms more rhythmic? These questions, by the way, are from Dr. Svoboda's excellent book, Ayurveda for Women, which you should definitely read. Read, 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 These are essential questions you should ask yourself regularly, as they can help you to intelligently shape your efforts at conscious transformation, if you answer them honestly and truthfully. Remember that we do not have to be helpless and hapless victims of the inevitable changes that happen to us. We have the power of intelligence and discrimination, and we have the incredibly effective tools of yoga to help us transform. The practices of yoga are there to aid us in our own unique, transformative journey. The yogic methods are some of the most effective tools for conscious transformation in existence, and, like any tool, can be very powerful in the hands of those who understand them and themselves and wield them intelligently. Eventually, your yoga practice will be a compilation of the most essential things that you need to work on in your body, breath, and mind, mixed with fun or creative practices that you enjoy. The whole practice does not need to be a painful slog through your weak or painful areas. At the end of the day, yoga practice is supposed to be joyful and satisfying. We don't want to condition ourselves to have yoga be a soul-wrenching therapy session every single time. But when we do keep peppering our yoga with practices that support our conscious transformation, we slowly and surely change in the direction we desire. Don't try to do everything at once. Slow and steady wins the race. Remember, it might be torture at first to work on balancing yourself. Areas that need balancing are often areas that we have neglected for too long and thus are going to require more attention now. When you do the work and the areas come into balance, then the practice becomes much more deeply satisfying and profound. For a while there might be struggle, pain, and challenge, but always remember where this work is going towards your higher good. You just have to set your mind to your necessary work, endure the struggle, breathe through the challenges, and emerge victorious on the other side. No one said that changing yourself will be easy, but the effort grants profound rewards. 
After all, what better gift than the gift of health and happiness? That gift only comes through your own personal efforts and conscious transformation. Jai Matadi! Exactly in what direction you want to transform yourself and how you want to do it is entirely up to you. It is your journey and your life, and you can do with it what you will. But we have been gifted by the sages with these yogic methods that can help us move in the direction that serves our higher purpose and helps us live more elevated lives full of meaning and satisfaction. Keep in mind that the yoga practices like the asanas or the pranayama are, just like a Sanskrit word, endowed with many possible interpretations and approaches. No posture, for example, simply changes one thing in us, but is operating on a number of levels all at once, and we can use the postures in different ways for different purposes. For example, you might use Janushirsasana to work on lengthening your tight hamstrings. That's great, especially if you have tight hamstrings and need to loosen them. But if your hamstrings are already loose, you might use Janushirsasana for different purposes, such as lengthening the spine, improving digestion, moving prana in particular ways, or even as a meditation and a way of clearing the mind. The postures are physical, energetic, mental, spiritual practices that we can use to affect what needs to be affected. So try to broaden your view of the postures and investigate different ways you can create change through even a single posture like Janushasana. Don't worry, we will talk about the multi-layered dynamics of the Hatha Yoga postures in a later episode. Eventually, we are going to look at the yoga postures more specifically and how they create lasting and profound changes within us and how we can use them in different ways. This ties in particularly to the methods of Hatha Yoga and Tantra because these are the types of yoga which are most directly connected with personal refinement and transformation. If we know what a posture is capable of and how we can use it, the yoga opens up into a multi-dimensional experience with a thousand different directions possible, all within the same practice, depending on what you're interested in cultivating. There's so much to talk about and explore. I hope you're excited as I am about the possibilities. So, until we meet again, I suggest you continue on your yogic journey of Swadhyaya and figure out where you want to be in your life and what you want to turn into, even eventually. Keep in mind that we do have to have patience, because these tools make subtle but lasting changes. So don't despair if you don't experience profound progress immediately. When you identify in what direction you want to change, and activate some of your yoga tools to help you go there, surely you will eventually attain your desired goals. It just takes effort, dedication, intelligence, and possibly a bit of good fortune. So, thanks very much for tuning in to this Yogi Swamis and Swindlers podcast. I hope it has been helpful for you to refine your approach to yoga and to life and that it can provide clarity for you to continue to move your life in a positive and connected direction. Remember that I do run a yoga school, the Swara Yoga Academy, and you can join us for transformative lessons and workshops, including our 200-hour yoga teacher training in Thailand, as well as workshops in India and Europe. Check our website, swarayogaacademy.com, for more information or write directly to me. 
I'd love to work with you personally, especially since you have created a good foundation through listening to these podcasts. And please, if you know anyone who might be interested in this wisdom, please pass this podcast on to them. I'm certainly no social media guru, so I depend on word of mouth to spread the podcast around and the wisdom. So please share it if you know anyone who might be interested. Until next time, this is Ramgiri Bawa wishing you a prosperous, balanced, and flowing experience of life full of self-knowledge. Hariyom, shanti, shanti, shanti. Thank you.